It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Riley and Robbie Hyde. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast. This is going to be a fun one. This is one of our big shows. We are going round two with Mike and Bailey from Stark Baby Sports and Foolish Baseball. As if they need an introduction, but we want to be formal and give them one as it is. Uh, Robbie here as well. Boys, how's everybody doing on a Wednesday night? Let's start with Bailey. Bailey, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. This is a background that people aren't used to seeing for me. This is in some ways a premiere of of, of a new place. It'll it'll show up on uh, my second channel soon enough, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, just enjoy the wood paneling, very yes. man cave vibes in here and, and just trust, you know, if there aren't jerseys hanging from here in a few days, I'll just start hallucinating them either way, you know? <laughs> yes. Just, just imagine that they're there, everybody. Just, just imagine for a moment. Uh, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. I hope this is proof that me and Bailey are not the same person. Even when we work together and are on the, the screen, same time, there's, I can't beat the allegations that I am Bailey. Even people in my personal life tell me they think I'm Bailey sometimes. So uh, excited to put that to rest, talk some baseball, spend some time with some friends. Let's do it. Yeah, it'll be good. Robbie, you doing all right? Oh, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. You know, it's been a it's been a slow week. You know, I, I think I say this every time. It's I, I, it feels like spring training is supposed to be fully underway, but in my mind, it doesn't feel like it because we got all these free agents still on the board. And yeah. I don't know, it's weird. How do you guys feel about that? Like, you know, just knowing that the guy that just won a Cy Young, the guy that just won a World Series, like, do you feel mm-hmm. the same way? Do you feel like this is a, like an odd start to spring training for you guys than you're used to used to seeing? I think it's the new norm. Unfortunately, I think if you were to look at like the last five off seasons, um, you know, the off season last year where everyone was signed in a frenzy at the winter meetings and everyone was, you know, we were signing shortstops till they were 40, which may, which may never happen again. Um, I think that was maybe the result of like an influx of money from the Disney uh, BAM tech deal. And Mm -hmm. so the teams had, basically 30 million extra last off season and they got it yeah. and they were like, all right, let's go spend it. If you yeah. look at like the grand scheme of the last five off seasons, like this things are moving slow and maybe this one is a standout just with the sheer amount of talent that's out there. But like, right. I, you know, it, it really wasn't that long ago. We were entering spring training with Machado and Harper yeah. both unsigned. So this is just unfortunately a, a new norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's really just one guy to look at there too, is not to for better or for worse, mm-hmm. not throwing sb under the bus there but like there's a common thread for almost every name we've just said i think that that kind of has to you guys have definitely talked about it and then some but that's that's why i don't feel as weird about it considering the culprit is kind of one guy yeah Uh, it's not like yeah i would feel worse if it's like otani who's still out there Mm -hmm. but considering it's like one guy and all of his guys on the market for the most part you can kind of chalk that up to just that for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Boris is definitely, um, you know, there's been some miss. I think this off season more than we have seen uh, from him. We've, we've seen some major missteps from Scott Boris. The Matt Chapman one maybe is the worst because Matt Chapman had a hundred million dollar contract offered from Toronto. And he said, no, uh, they had the qualifying offer. Uh, he said, no. And now Matt Chapman, who knows how many years, how, how much he's actually going to get. Um, Chapman seems to be the one that really sticks out as the mistake. You can understand the Bellinger stuff, and Bellinger's still going to get thirty million this year, thirty million next year. He's got a, a a parachute in case he's bad this year. He'll at least get thirty million next year. But uh, it's been interesting. We did, we do have some news uh, as it pertains to Blake Snell, and I'm interested to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, that, that Blake, according to John Heyman, is open to a short-term deal, a deal with some opt-outs. Now, that may take the Yankees out because the Yankees, with the uh, with the tax that they would have to pay, uh, would essentially cost them double what the salary is. But we've been hearing Yankees. We've been hearing Giants. We've been hearing Angels. I think the Angels of everybody have to be 
maybe the one that makes the most sense just because of how much they, they have 50 million dollars until they even reach that first luxury tax level and mike trout wants wants them to go out there he has come out publicly and said he wants them to get uh, one of these top free agents that are still available um we can go around the room real quick. Where do we think Blake Snell winds up? I'll go first. I'll say Angels. Uh, Mike, let's swing it back your way. Where's Where's Blake Snell gonna gonna wind up? I mean, it kind of has to be the Angels. They feel like the only team that is like desperate and willing enough to throw even bigger than a short term deal at him. Because yeah. like what we're learning, he wanted nine when the offseason started. If I remember, yes. Uh, the market is kind of telling him, hey, we don't trust walking six batters per nine sustainably when you're in your mid-30s. Yeah. Like you're there, whether it's fair or not, they're saying we think you're an unsustainable guy for that long. Mm-hmm. So I think he's stuck with a short-term deal, which means it's the that opens it up to like 25 teams if you really think yes. about it. It just yes. matters who's actually willing to do it and who makes sense. So I think that that's kind of the only way he saves his market. But if if he's really holding out for longer than, quote, short term and can get it, it feels like it's the Angels or bust. Yeah. Um, Bailey, where, where, where are you, where you going to lay your chips for Snell? You know, the more I think about it, Giants feels like a decent fit for me. I mean, yeah. Snell, I think Snell is angling to somewhere. He'd like to play somewhere on the West Coast. He's a he's a West Coast guy originally. Um, and And I think Mike put it, uh, great when he said if if we're talking about a short-term deal with opt-outs then a lot of teams could be in play mm-hmm. i think the giants have kind of realized that they've they failed to land the big kahuna uh you know they got close on judge didn't get him uh, i think i remember they offered bogarts a lot didn't get him uh didn't get otani and there's a tier of free agent that the giants are starting to hit the sweet spot on uh you know bringing in lee from uh, KBO, for example, and it's that next guy down. And I think Snell is representative of that, especially if he's looking for uh, you know a short-term deal with opt-outs. I also like that, you know, Snell. I mean, even though like uh, Mike just said, like you know, six walks per nine seems unsustainable. Well, the flip side of that is he doesn't allow a lot of balls in play. And so, you know, if you're a team like San Francisco where the defense lately has been a little bit suspect, like, yes, you can bring in Blake Snell and he's kind of defense proof the same way Carlos Rodon was or, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Kevin Gosman striking out 200 dudes a year. And that that could be sort of the next model. I'm curious what Robbie thinks. Robbie, short term deal. Boston, does, does Craig <laughs> step up? What, what do you think? God, I don't want to talk about my Red Sox at this point. My goodness. Um, I'll give my pick, but I also have a question for Bailey as well about the walks with Blake Snell. I'll get to that in just a second. Boys, I I actually had one of the weirdest dreams last night. I was in this dream, right? I am at a party because Blake Snell was celebrating signing with the Angels. It was the weirdest dream I think I've ever had. Mm. It's going to happen. It's it's bound to happen now. Clairvoyant Um, Robbie. That I'm just going with it. You know, Jim, we talked about this for like felt like two hours the other night where, you know, it, they when it comes to the payroll, when it comes to the need, mm-hmm. the lack of moves, the yep. Angels feel like the perfect fit. The Giants mm-hmm. also could be good, too. If they hadn't done the Robbie Ray trade, I could see that being even more. Uh, but he's not going to be back for a little while anyway. So you yep. could still pull that off if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bailey, I actually do have a question about Blake Snell. There's an interesting article on Fangraphs. And you know, knowing the analytical mind that you have, they propose that the, the walk rate from Blake Snell was actually done by design. Where Because if you look at the shadow zone rate, he was either in the zone or just completely out of it. Where and Which could suggest that he was just basically just trying to avoid mistakes and he just let batters go basically. What do you think about that? Do you feel like there could be something to that? Or what do you think? Oh yeah. I mean, look, when Nolan Ryan did it, you know, nobody, you know, batted an eye. He became a hall of famer and widely regarded as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I mean, Blake Snell, one thing I think people respect about him a lot is that he has a plan and he goes out and he executes it. And that's with regards to, you know, saying, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll allow a few walks here or there, but not the extra base hit that's going to kill me. Uh, I'm going to throw my fastball up and I'll throw my breaking stuff down, you know, mm-hmm. outside of the zone. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely by design. And I think 
Um, you know, just, I mean, I know he walked like 99 guys last year, but I, I think just taking that at face value is almost a disservice to what he does. Like he, he has a plan. He sees it through. It might not be great for everybody. I think the biggest complaint would just be lack of volume because he's kind of going to top out at, at 180 or 185. And when he entered this off season, he was trying to get paid like a guy who can give you 200 and there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I just say that both years he's gone 180. He won the Cy Young. Yeah, that's a, that's the volume that's, in, and he'll win it. So. That's the magic number. Yeah. Um, so today we also had an interesting uh, series of quotes uh, from Juan Soto in the Athletics. Sat down, did a Q and A, was talking about his time with the Washington Nationals, giving us quotes about how he never wanted to leave Washington, how he viewed that as as home, that he envisioned himself. Uh, retiring as a national. And when you think about how much young talent, how much cheap young talent this team has coming up on the horizon, when you think about how much money the Nats will have after that $30 million of Patrick Corbin goes away, um, I have to ask, uh, let's go Robbie first. Um, Robbie, uh, Juan Soto to the Nats next offseason? Or are they at least going to be... Would you would you put them? I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to make them the favorites, but would you at least put them in the top five? Would will you be surprised next winter if you hear that the Nats are in on Soto? Yeah, I don't think he's going back there. <laughs> like, I think that honestly comes from uh, a place where you got to remember he's also very young, right? Mm-hmm. So he's coming from a place where he won a World Series with them at what twenty years old, nineteen. Um, mm-hmm. So. He had good vibes from the get-go. You know, he was surrounded by good players all the time, a lot of success. Um, You know, I can understand where he thought at one point he wanted to stay there for the rest of his career. He probably thought, hey, this is great. What a great situation. You know, I could be the next Jeter, you know, face of this franchise. And in the end, business is business. And I think he's gotten to the point where he – he realizes that now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Has anyone seen the guy's Instagram page? It is decorated like he's a Yankee for life. I'm just saying. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Nationals maybe gave a phone call. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. I feel like it's either Yankees or Mets at this point. Yeah. Uh, they, they The Nats have, uh, after the Corbin money comes off the books and you and you account for projected arbitration, they have a salary of uh, for 2025 of 66 million dollars so they could give Juan Soto a hundred million dollars next year and they would still have room to uh, to make some moves um something else was kind of interesting uh well before I move on Mike Bailey do you have any any follow-ups to that anything you want to add to that any other uh, insights or or, or I, I we can move on I do uh, want to say that here. Mike has to say sorry go ahead yeah Yeah, uh, I got to say the Nationals are probably so sick of dealing with Scott Boris after (laughs) a Strasburg deal that everybody everybody is talking about because they didn't take insurance out on him for some reason. Uh, Uh, Rendon dealing with them. He didn't re-sign, but I'm sure based on how it went with the Angels and the deal he got that that they at least talked to him and it probably wasn't that easy. Mm -hmm. So to imagine a level of discontent they probably have of making the phone call to Scott Boris and offering big money to anybody. That's probably a more real factor than we're giving it credit for. And I wonder, like, don't even get me started on where, how long it's probably going to take Juan Soto to sign next year. If it's like, Juan Soto might sign on like opening day. If Boris wants to get that, that bag from somebody. Uh, As far as where I think, He's going. I kind of have to, you know, be a little more loyal to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The decision. <laughs> My there goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Let's. Get I Juan actually would Soto be completely it. open to the decision, Juan Soto style. Like, I, I'd be all for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Everyone hated LeBron when he did it. I mm-hmm. would love it. Let's just do it. All right, we've got the one of the premier pitchers made his debut today. Yoshinobu Yamamoto debuted with the Dodgers, struck out Marcus Simeon. The the forkball, the splitter looked dangerous. What do we think? Is there going to be any transition bumps? Bailey, we'll start with you. Are there? Do you see any transition bumps for Yamamoto, or 
Will he transition and be a an NL Cy Young candidate this year? The most interesting thing for me is the big looping curveball that he throws, mm-hmm. the big slow, because that has completely fallen out of style in the league. Um, just in terms of the shape and the velocity, yeah. like the the fastball, the fastball is good. We know about the splitter, but the that third pitch, that big looping curveball, that's sort of the uh, that's one of that's the thing he does that I'm not sure will work mm-hmm. uh, in Major League Baseball. And and uh, the Dodgers just, I mean, based on that first start, have not really tweaked with it at all. Although it's still you know very early going since spring training. The other thing for me. That's kind of a positive for him in the long run, but maybe a negative in the short term with regards to like a NL Cy Young candidacy uh, in his first year is that, uh, you know, the Dodgers, they have him for such a long term deal and and they're going to be using a six man rotation at times during the year, uh, you know, as he gets up to pace with, right. uh, you know, having to pitch every, you know, five or six days a little bit more often than he would in NPB, even though he's been such a great volume pitcher in NPB. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think for me, the interesting things uh, for him going into this season are the big looping curve and just how the Dodgers will manage the workload because they've got this guy for so long, you know, they don't they don't need to start pushing 200 innings out of him right away. He's so young, too. Yeah, that, that that's, a good, that's a good point. Um, Robbie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about Senga last year and you know a couple little bumps in the first half and then he seemed to have gotten himself adjusted i feel like i don't see yamamoto having those issues coming in i I feel like i mean i don't know i was watching that today and i'm like how in the heck is anyone gonna be able to see this guy like i still uh go back to eric sim where he was doing the um or king of juco of anyone not sure of who that is exactly but uh, where he has the pitching machine set up like Yamamoto, and he's even saying during that, like, no one's going to hit this guy. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder how he's going to do in the second half, right? And I, because teams at the end of the day, it's all about adjustments at the end of the day. I think, honestly, you could see him just dominate in the mm-hmm. first half. Like, mm-hmm. no one's going to have any idea what to do with this guy. But, I'm very curious to see how he does once. I'm not saying he's going to be bad by any means. I'm just very curious to see how he does once teams have gotten a look at him a little bit. Because when yeah. you look at his stuff, it's just it, it's Filthy. disgusting. So, yeah. yeah. But I'm very excited about him nonetheless. So, One pitcher that did not have a good debut um, is Alec Manoa. At least a good debut this spring. So if anybody missed it, he had absolutely no control, no command. He hit three batters. He walked everybody under the sun. He allowed 11,000 runs. It was one of the worst outings in the history of spring training. Um, he was pleased with his velocity, though. That's what we're taking away from a spring training start. Uh, Mike, I'll go to you. Did the Blue Jays make a mistake not trading him this offseason? I have argued. Uh, there, Well, the argument has been there that his value was as low as it could possibly be coming off of last year. I argued that, no, it could get worse. If he goes out there and is terrible in spring training, it gets worse. Uh, Mike, do you think the Blue Jays made a mistake not trading him this offseason? Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I wonder what his market was, which is Mm -hmm. insane that we're having this conversation so soon in his career, especially Mm -hmm. with how he was in 21 and 22. Yeah. I almost want to plead the card of like, I have no idea if they even tried. I don't know what that looks like. They were getting phone calls. They were getting phone calls. Because I was going to say, it feels like such a mess of a situation that the range of outcomes for how it could have gone in the offseason is just everywhere. So I don't want to fault them too much, especially because maybe you could talk yourself into like that he's got so much time left on his deal. You could probably make something happened like there maybe they just came to the conclusion that we're better off just seeing if he's something at even 2025 who knows yeah. uh, i don't want to plead ignorance but that's like the closest i'm gonna get to doing that is something like that without knowing their back end yeah. dealing pretty much the years of control the the promise of even scratching the surface of what he was in 2022 is worth holding on to, even if he continues to struggle. Roy Halladay, Blue Jays fans 
Roy Halladay, you they know it well, had to be sent down. It looked like he was going to be a disaster. Sent him all the way down to A-ball. He was able to work his way back and became a Hall of Fame pitcher. So uh, there's definitely, Jays fans have been through this before. So I think the leash is probably long on Manoa when it comes to the fan base uh, anyway. All right, here's the deal. We have a lot more to get into. You can see all the topics there on the rundown. Those watching it live, hang tight. Nowhere to go. Those listening on the podcast, you're good. Nothing to do. Those watching the replay, though, you are going to have to click the link down below to listen to the rest of the conversation with the boys here. So please do that. We're going to get into some talks about teams, storylines. We're going to dive into the Foolish 50 with Bailey a little bit. We don't want to steal it all away from him. And we're going to have an MVP discussion all on the podcast, all for those of you watching live. So replay viewers, again, thank you for coming in. Click that link to continue the conversation. All right, let's do that. Let's get into some of the uh, the team uh, the, the 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 team outlooks as we get into the twenty twenty four season. Uh, let's start with Bailey. What team are you maybe fascinated with heading into twenty twenty four? Either for better or for worse, is there a team that sort of stands out to you that you're like, oh man, uh, this is going to be if at nothing less interesting. I got to say Minnesota Twins, uh, they are, you know, facing some renewed competition in the Central this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Cleveland will probably bounce back and be better than they were last year. Uh, a lot of people think the Royals and the Tigers are ascendant and they're going to they could each make a serious run at the Twins. Uh, I still see the Twins as de facto top dogs within that division. They did lose Sonny Gray, but I do think they have the pitching on the back end to make up for it. Uh, you know, it could be Louis Varlin, it could be Chris Paddock, it could be uh, Anthony Desclafani, it could be uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, they have uh, Cantorino, like all kinds of AAA arms, the depth that they have. And uh, you're going to get full seasons of guys who we saw like really nice cameos out of last year in terms of the lineup, like Eddie yeah. Julian and Royce Lewis. So uh, I, I have really, uh, oh, and their bullpen's great too. So mm -hmm. I just have really like positive feelings about the Minnesota Twins. I want to see how they build off of finally getting the monkey off their back in terms of winning a playoff game and a playoff series. And, uh, or will they, you know, just completely fall apart and then uh, a new team in the central will, will take the crown instead. So, yeah. uh, I'm really interested to see what happens with the Minnesota twins this year. Although I have pretty positive feelings about how they'll do so many different ways to go with this. Mike, what about you? I'll give you two. One Bailey touched on, like, I feel kind of alone in a corner believing in the Cleveland guardians this year, mm. considering they haven't like done anything in the mm. off season, really. I'm just kind of like looking over teams and I'm like, wait a second. A lot of guys on that roster last year have a lot more in them and didn't have amazing years. So assuming you get some bounce backs, assuming you have health on your side for some of the arms, which they are an arms factory. So it's probably like seven guys that they're going to contribute that we've never even heard of yet. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Like I just, their division outside of Minnesota is really weak. So like you can, you can easily talk yourself into Cleveland being like the second or third wildcard team. If like everything goes right. And they're an organization that a lot of things regular season wise mm -hmm. tend to go right for and national league, like the range of outcomes on the San Diego Padres is like abs. Like the, the talent in that lineup is still very much there. If you get anything and I mean anything out of that starting rotation after Musgrove, Padres could like be better than they were last year, which is yeah. crazy considering they still have Tatis, Bogarts, Kim, Cronenworth. They're probably going to try to get one of these like veteran outfielders who can contribute as well. Yeah. Uh, if Michael King is a good starter for Andy Vasquez, Brito, like if you can talk yourself into San Diego having a really good year. Well, in San Diego last year, it was so uh, fluky. They called it uh, unlucky. Uh, essentially, they were terrible when it came to one run games. Uh, they were nine and 23 in extra inning games. They were two and 12 and they still finished 82 and 80. So even though Soto's gone, uh, even though it seems like it is maybe a doom and gloom season, if those two things correct, they could still be fighting for a wild card spot that you could definitely do it. Robbie, how about you? I mean, I'll stay in the Central, and then I got one more team in the National League, too. Uh, the Tigers, for me. I, yeah. I'm really excited to see what they do. I'm always a big fan of a team 
with a bunch of young talent mm-hmm. with also a good mix of veterans in there as well. They've added some pretty quality veteran, you know, not like any, you know, top tier veteran guys, like, but you know, respectable, like Maeda, Flaherty. Like I, I like guys like that. Uh you know, and even Connor for the lineup as well. Sure, you lost Eduardo Rodriguez, but you know, they got so much young pitching coming up. And I'm very excited to see what Scooble does this coming year. I think there's some yes. good arms in that bullpen. Um, I really am excited about the Tigers this year. I, I think they take a big step forward. And a team in the National League, I mean, you hit the Padres, uh, Mike. That was, yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do. Um, but a team that I don't think actually makes the playoffs, but I want to see what how, how big of a step they take are, are the Nationals, honestly. I'm curious about Mackenzie oh. Gore. They got some young talent coming up. Mm-hmm. Right? Dylan Cruz should probably come up this year. Um, I wonder if they could be like, you know, the Orioles a couple of years ago where they're just like this way ahead of schedule kind of a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like even the Reds in the last couple of years have taken a step. Now, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I, I, I'm i excited about the talent, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Just one of those uh, teams Nats, I'm looking out for. So Nats in 2025, baby. Um, I'm going to go with Oakland because I really – like some of this junk talent and I want to see it mature and I want to see, I, I kind of feel like this is one of those situations where the players can almost take on the personality of the fan base of the city as they're going through the turmoil of losing the team. And you see this, these young players, Geloff and Longoliers and Soderstrom, you see them sort of take another step in their evolution as baseball players. Like, Oakland winning would be really fun for baseball. And again, how much they're going to win, we we, we all have a, a low level of expectation. But I think it's going to be very interesting to watch these young players uh, as they sort of, uh, again, as they, pre- I think Zach Geloff, um, I, I'm kind of bummed out that so many people are in on him because I, I kind of wanted to be like on an island. But that island is overpopulated and people are falling off into the ocean because there are a ton of people um, in on Zach Geloff right now. Let's do this. Let's talk about some storylines. Mike, let's go to you. Um, you know, Stark Ravy Sports is a great destination for talking about players, diving into storylines, maybe going down some avenues that you didn't think you needed to, but you're glad you did. I think that's that's a great way to maybe summarize my experience with your channel anyway. What are some of the fun storylines for 2024 that you are looking forward to and keeping your eye on as we get the season uh, underway here shortly? First of all, thank you. Appreciate the very high praise on, on our work. Uh, you both kind of touched on one, the main one I was thinking about that I want to bounce off of, is like look at how many guys – from last year's draft are probably going to make the big leagues this year. Like yeah. Nolan Shonowell, friend of the brand is already first baseman of the angels. He was picked 11th last year. Skeens is starting tomorrow for the pirates against Corbin Burns in the mm. spring game. So like mm-hmm. you're the college baseball guy in me is focused on that. When you were talking about Yamamoto making his debut, Dylan Cruz is probably coming up. Wyatt Langford might even make the opening day roster. Yep. Uh, who knows if Chase Burns is in somebody's bullpen in September. That's kind of what I'm looking at is like the unbelievable fast tracking of top end college talent in like a year or less to the big leagues. Um, tomorrow, by the way, Skeens is uh, starting. Yes. And Jackson Holiday is also going to be in the lineup that is confirmed uh, by by the Orioles skipper there. So we're going to have Skeens and Holiday tomorrow. Mm. And that's. And that's Incredible. not televised. It's unfortunate. Oh. <laughs> it's not televised. So hopefully somebody's there and, and they can, you know, get some video of it or, or do something for the rest of us that are not down there in Sarasota or w- wherever they're playing tomorrow's game. Um, uh, 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 Bailey, I don't want to leave you out on this. Any storylines that you're thinking of that you're keeping an eye on uh, for, for 2024? Uh, it's the year of the splitter. Uh, you know, last year, year of the sweeper, everyone talking sweeper, sweeper, sweeper. This is this is the year of the splitter. Uh, it's a pitch mm-hmm. that uh, its usage is uh, on the incline, and it's about mm-hmm. to be on the super incline. Uh, it's not just the uh, the new talent coming over from East Asia, you know, like Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who we just hit on, or uh, Imanaga. It's it's 
you know, players like Eric Fetty who picked it up in Korea and now he's on his way back. It's guys, you know, American born pitchers who are picking it up like Hunter Green and Bryce Miller. And what's cool about the splitter is that I feel like it's, it's usage and its popularity has always been kind of cyclical in nature. Mm -hmm. uh big it was kind of big in the 80s like mike scott won a cy young throwing a splitter uh i remember like in my childhood like early 2000s uh veteran like old guy pitchers were picking it up to extend their career so that was like roger clemens and like john smoltz and now it's back again in a big way uh 2024 the year of the splitter I'm looking forward to it. I, I mean, and, and we've got Roki Saki coming over at some point, and we know that he that's one of his dominant pitches. Uh, I think if they were to grade that, it would probably be a, at a 90 out of 80. So that is that is something that can be pretty um, pretty exciting to watch. Let's – Hold on. I want to I throw – I was going to say go for it, Robbie. Yeah. No, I love that because 2004 Red Sox, Kurt Schilling, splitter. I mean – I mean, mm-hmm. I fell in love with the splitter because of him. Um, yeah, that was as that was a pretty nasty outpitch for him. Um, and then I also just want to throw in one more storyline too. Every year, you know, it's funny because I notice on Twitter how everyone, you know, I mean, whatever, maybe I'm guilty of it too, where we all try to sound like, you know, we're experts at everything, but there's so many times where we think we know everything and then we just realize like, wow, we didn't see that one at all. Like the Cardinals last year, everyone was picking the Cardinals to win the central and they just completely fell off. Like even maybe some people even thought maybe the white Sox could have been okay. I actually thought the white Sox could have been okay last year. Um, But there's always teams that either disappoint or surprise. I'm, I'm very curious to see what teams now that we've kind of gotten used to the surprises, you know, like the Diamondbacks last year and, you know, the Reds even getting in on things last year in the wild card hunt, the Orioles the last couple of years, I'm looking to see which team is going to disappoint. You know, I, I wonder if teams that you think are just going to be there don't end up getting there, right? Like I would like to hear you guys you know, what do you think? Do you think there's any teams out there that could disappoint? If I were to pick one team to start things off, um, Jim, I hate to say, I, I am curious about the Blue Jays a little bit. I, I Do you think there could Rightfully be... Rightfully so. Do you think there could be... Because I see everyone, uh, I, as a Red Sox fan, I see everyone, oh, Red Sox, fifth place. I just wonder, you know, you know, could a team like that, where you think they're going to be there, where all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what the heck happened to this team, right? What What do you think? I think the Blue Jays pitching should keep them into it. If they, last year, they had an unbelievable stroke of luck with their rotation. Outside of Manoa, uh, everybody made their starts. It was, it was healthy throughout. Uh, um, if that goes, if that corrects, you know, every usually you deal with injuries throughout the season and, and the Blue Jays rotation just didn't have that. If they go through injuries, they don't. I mean, they have more depth this year than they did last year, but um, that could be something that could derail the Blue Jays' season if, if yeah. they deal with injuries in that rotation. Um, how about Mike and Bailey? Do you have uh, any thoughts on that? We'll go. Let's go Bailey first. Uh, I'm interested in like the the National League ascendant young fun teams like uh, Diamondbacks made the World Series last year. Cubs oh. almost made the playoffs. Reds almost made the playoffs. You know, and and they're bringing in uh, young talent and a team like the Reds signing mm-hmm. like a ton of MLB free agents to bolster what is already a pretty strong core of young talent. You know, the development for these teams isn't always linear. So I think we're all expecting those teams to do you know generally do better than they did last year, mm-hmm. and that might not always be the case. So I think it'd be interesting to see kind of out of those crew, like the like the young ascendant National League teams, like who takes the next step and who doesn't. Yeah. Mike? I got news for you guys. Dodgers ain't going 162 now. Uh, looking at like disappointing teams, like the expectation for the Dodgers is now they have to win the World Series every single year. Yeah. Like it's on yep. the most expectations I've ever seen a team ever have. And disappointment is relative to expectations. I don't think I'm willing to say the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, which by their standard is an inherent disappointment. If they win 95 games, they disappoint this year. So I just can't resist saying that considering their expectations are genuinely about as high as I've ever seen a baseball teams. So Mm -hmm. even something like 
not going to the World Series is considered a massive failure for them in terms of just about everybody. And that's been the problem throughout, right? Like outside of 2020, and no, and, and most baseball fans don't want to give them credit for 2020. Anyway, they have had a great regular season, but they come up short in the postseason. And that's kind of why I thought they went as intense as they did this offseason because they figured out the 162. It's October that they need to figure out. And now they are so in that if they still look, I thought that Dave Roberts, I think I thought last year should have been it after getting swept by Arizona. Yeah. If they don't win the World Series this year, I think it might finally be it for Dave Roberts for Dodger fans that are ready to to move on. Um any more on the storylines, or do you want to jump to uh, some player talk, some foolish 50, some underrated, overrated? Anybody? Good I'll just throw are. in if, yeah. if the Dodgers do end up firing Dave Roberts, mm-hmm. Alex Cora, his contract is up after this year. Ooh. There's uh, a storyline right a there. Bit of a trade, maybe? Mm-hmm. Alex mm-hmm. Cora, the next Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts for the Red Sox. I'm just saying. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, Dave Roberts might be received better in Boston. So, all right, let's get into one of the most anticipated pieces of content on the platform every year, and that is the Foolish 50. Let's get into this thing. Now, we're not going to ask Bailey for the count. We're not looking to spoil the whole thing. But Who's number one, Bailey? Tell us who's number one. Do it. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Yes. Ah, yes. Yes. That's why the Blue Jays are going to win the World Series this year. So what we're looking for here is while you were going through your research, um, as exhausting as I'm sure it was, anybody that you saw that was maybe massively overrated or underrated or or anything that you saw that was maybe a little out of the ordinary for, for certain players, any any big underrated or overrated players? Well, I, one thing I was definitely, and I feel like I do this every year when I do the rankings, is I'm ready to overreact to any sort of like catcher metrics. Like if you if you throw down like a hundred good games as a catcher, like I'm ready to like move you up the list, especially if it's super well rounded the way you did it. So one guy I think is super underrated right now is William Contreras of the Milwaukee Brewers because we always knew he could hit. You know, he hit when he was uh, coming through the Braves system. He was uh, NL All-Star as a DH. Um, and then he makes the move to Milwaukee, and they turn him into this complete player because all of a sudden now he has good framing metrics, and now he's getting the blocks up. And and you just have this, like, extremely well-rounded young catcher who can mm-hmm. do everything. Yeah. And I think maybe people's expectations aren't quite adjusted to that yet. Like, the idea that he... Like in my mind, uh, if he's not like a consensus top three catcher, like at least top five in the league right now, because uh, he he doesn't really have much of a weakness to his game with the way the Brewers coaching staff has been able to get into his ear and transform him from uh, like a fringy defensive catcher to like a legitimately good everyday guy uh, behind home plate. So William Contreras uh, definitely stand out to me as someone who I think uh, is underrated by the general public. How about somebody overrated? Let's hurt some feelings now. Who we got? Who 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 do we have overrated? The, the one that's interesting to me, and I mean, I was all in on this guy last year. Like he made my list, and mm-hmm. uh, he was probably more like fringier, like 80th or something like that for for MLB Network. And I totally got this right. It was it was Luis Robert uh, had himself a, a massive year uh, last year. Um, but I'm not sure if I like the way he did it because his strikeouts were way up again and he was, you know, pushing 30%. And so now he's a guy that I feel like has become sort of inflated. And now, you know, I think if, if certain people were to put together a list like mine, maybe they're pushing him into like a top 25 or a top 20 spot. And, you mm-hmm. know, they're ranking him among one of the best outfielders in the league. And I'm not quite sure I'm comfortable doing that, even though I was so in on him, you know, uh, a year ago today. So um, I think that's a guy who I think might be just a little bit on the, on the overrated end. Interesting. Luis Robert. There's been a lot of Luis Robert love this offseason with every fan base that wanted to trade for him. Um, we couldn't even get Chris Getz traded for. There's no way Luis Robert was on the move. Uh, Mike, anybody that stands out to you as maybe an overrated or underrated, I, I, I want to 
say this. I think your your boy behind the dish is way too underrated. Francisco Alvarez is getting dogged by the rest of baseball. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, Mike, uh, who, anybody that stands out to you, overrated, underrated? Yeah, and I want to hear Bailey's thoughts on this guy, too. He was my most recent video where I was trying to advocate that I think nobody noticed or cares that he's as good as he is, and it was a 9 of 10 video on studio, so I proved that right that nobody cares about him. Uh, Gunnar <laughs> Henderson. Mm-hmm. Like, I talk about this in the video. Like, I'm amazed that the number one prospect in all of baseball came into this season, had a six-war season with two-war defensively, and nobody noticed or cares. Mm-hmm. Like, he's already probably the best shortstop in the American league East. If you want to go that far right now, um, top war player on a team that won a hundred games. He's, and he did it with a very bad first month of the season. So mm-hmm. assuming he keeps going at the pace he was at, he was playing very well in the postseason to the couple games that Baltimore had. I kind of really love Gunnar Henderson's outlook. And I would also like to know what Bailey feels. Mm, Bailey. It's funny because, uh, you know, uh, I may I may touch on him a little bit in, in our next uh, topic, but uh, it's like if you were playing uh, MVP voting by by old school rules, which would just be like the best player on the best team, like he like he, you know, like you said, like uh, the top war on, you know, a, a hundred win Orioles team. Um, yeah, it's just because he's the way he does it isn't like entertaining really you know like he he just plays really good not flashy defense uh good walk rate and and you know like i mean you could you could easily like compare and contrast him to corbin carroll who uh provided you know similar value and also won rookie of the year and also was a top prospect but was entertaining in doing so and uh maybe that's that that's the only core fundamental difference but yeah i mean i think gunner's uh super underrated we need the fan base to get fired up like when ronald Acuna jr is great He's going to show you his great, and and that fan base is going to tell you he's great. Like the Oriole fan base that is just now coming back to life after a long slumber, a hibernation period. They need to get fired up, get in your face, and tell everybody how great Gunnar Henderson is. I've had uh, we've had Ryan Ripkin on the pod, podcast, and he has said that Gunnar reminds him a lot of his father. That's high praise. So yes, Gunnar Henderson all the way. Orioles fans, step up, get loud. Start waving the Gunnar Henderson flag to let's let's up this man's uh, awareness on on the baseball scale. Robbie, how about you? I don't want to leave you out. Overrated, underrated. Any any anyone that stands out? I'll go with just a just a quick one. Um, people will probably be surprised at my thought process on this because he's one of the big names in baseball. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people are underrated. And Bailey, I've seen you t- uh, touch on this too. I think people are underrating Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, I think, you know, Bailey, you I believe you posted about it on Twitter. I can't remember where you said it exactly. But um, to me, the he, the season that he just had resembles the 2022 Ronald Acuna Jr. season. So, and then we saw what he did last year. So, and M- MLB Network had him, I think, 26 on their top 100. I had him personally for me at number 11. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he's an MVP candidate. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think now he's got that season under his belt after all the problems that he was having. Uh, a lot of the advanced metrics still look really well, really good with him. So, and then, um, I feel like pitching wise, uh, in a still slightly being underrated in my opinion, it, I think people are sort of waiting and seeing, but I'm a big Cole Reagans fan and I wonder if he could end up being a Cy Young candidate this year. That second half he had last year was just ridiculous. And uh, we've Mm -hmm. seen guys in the past when they have a good second half, a lot of times it can translate into a very good season next in the next year. So uh, definitely looking out for him. I think, I think we're overrating. Well, MLB. And, and their ratings, they I believe they're overrating Jose Altuve at this point. I think we started to see that cliff last year, and I think that may continue. Looking at his metrics, it's not great. Maybe he can bounce back and turn it around. But as you're getting older, I don't know how things are going to get that much better for Jose Altuve for the fact that we are considering him the second or third best second baseman and one of the top 25 players in the game. Um, MLB had him... 22nd 
I still have Altuve as a top 100. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's washed and, and he's going to provide nothing of value, but I don't think he's a top 25 player with the top second baseman in the game. So I just wanted to get that in there. And I'm not trying to hate on the Astros because uh, I believe that Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are not high enough on those lists. But I think Altuve, we're, we're I don't know, I think the sun might be setting on on what he can what he can do. Let's do this. Let's get into the MVP Mount Rushmore. So here's how it's going to work. We each are going to have our MVP Mount Rushmore. We are going to we're going to try to go through this and really identify it first the players that we have a, a consensus on that we can all agree on, and then and then we will try to fight it out over maybe the last spot or two. So these are MVP favorites for. 2024 let's get the easy one out of the way i think we can all agree one of the four spots are we in agreement on acuna as one of the four top four oh no mike mike okay all right well hold on so we've got three out of four on acuna what about otani do we have otani as one of the top four no okay this is gonna be real interesting um <laughs> The other one that I thought maybe there would be a consensus on would be Aaron Judge. Do we have a consensus on Aaron Judge? Yeah. We do. All right. So we have we have Judge. We have three out of four uh, on Acuna. We have at least me, Robbie, you were a yes for Otani. Well, here's my thinking behind that. Now, Go ahead. stat-wise, like I agree with you guys, uh, but I'm all – Whenever I think of MVP and Cy Young, I think of the people voting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different game at that point because you you have people that think a little differently when they're looking at you know who to pick for MVP. Um, I think just Otani simply because of the name, he's mm-hmm. always going to be in that conversation every okay. single year if he puts up the big numbers. Like if he puts up the same numbers that he did last year. Um, even if he doesn't pitch this year, mm-hmm. I still think his name is going to come up with it. Like even if he goes, like, yeah, do I have to great. justify the Acuna head shake? By the way, yes, you, yeah, you, have, you have it. to. You have to tell us why no Acuna, right? Because I want to bounce off something Robbie just said. I'm thinking about how MVP voting works. I think he's going to suffer from that team having like ten amazing players. I think that Olson's going to have a great year. Riley's going to have a great year. I think Michael Harris is really close to being like a top ten. MVP mm-hmm. guy, if Strider hits the ceiling, mm-hmm. th- if Murphy is having a great year, you've got so many guys that I think both the Dodgers and the Braves are going to suffer from, well, who is the best player? Sure. And you might even get into them taking votes away from each other, which is the mm-hmm. worst thing they can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tend to not like thinking of guys on teams with so much talent for MVP because like, if you really think about it, that's how voters think is they think about like the guys who stand out the most and like lead teams in a weird way. Yeah. So if a if all those Braves guys are having even their baseline seasons, you might not be able to distinguish who the number one is on that team. I think that might hurt him. Let me ask, let me ask you this. Do you think, uh, what, what, what percent odds would you put Acuna going 40, 40? 10. Cause that's hard to do. Well, he, I mean, after, after going 40, 70, like, do you think he, so you think that he slows down a little bit? I think you have to expect, I think that expecting 40, 70 again is a what little, if, but what about 40, 40? Uh, that's tough. Let's see. Health is a, still a weird game with him. It's mm-hmm. the scary thing that nobody's admitted. Uh, I'm not hating on Ronald Acuna Jr. I think he's amazing. I understand what he did last year is one of a kind. I'm saying you can't always expect that. Like sure. Bryce Harper never had 2015 Bryce Harper again, even though mm-hmm. he won another MVP, which I know might hurt my argument. But uh, you definitely have to be mindful of players like that to yeah. always just having the peaks and valleys as well. Just That's just kind of how this works. He's not steroid Barry Bonds where he's just a lock every year sure. or even as good as he was last year because – Hey, Mookie Betts had a great year last year. Hey, Olsen had 40, uh, 54 home runs and nobody noticed. It All it takes is just the smallest loss with him, and he's going to lose ground from being unanimous MVP, if not the winner of it. 
I guess what's interesting is that all four of us, the one player that is going to make it through as the unanimous is Judge. Uh, we all would have Judge, and he has, I think we could all agree, injury concerns, health issues that have derailed some seasons. But if he is healthy, uh, judges, judges 50 plus home runs. If, if he's, he's healthy. proven it one too many times that if he's healthy, he's the best hitter in baseball. Exactly. And Mookie Betts, I think you can make an argument that last year, Robbie, you saw him closer in Boston. Um, but I think last year was Mookie Betts best season. Mm. Is that, is that fair to say that last year was, <laughs> 2023 was his best season, or do you want to go 2018? I mean, he won the MVP in 2018. Robbie, I got to interrupt you. Absolutely not, Jim. Absolutely. (laughs) 2018 is one of the best seasons any player has had in the modern era. Okay, go ahead, Robbie. (laughs) I I was about to say, like, he had one of the highest, uh, I think that was one of the highest wins above replacement seasons of all time. I think Mm -hmm. he was right there with, with Traub. I see where you're coming from though, Jim, where, cause he was, I think there was a lot of really good things that he did last year. Cause he was, mm-hmm. was also, people were bringing up a lot, which I think is fair. And he was playing multiple positions and he was still playing a high level. Um, and he was just, man, he had a really good year last year. So it was very good. Now that 2018 season though, man, no, oh. it pales. It, no, 20, 2018 is a better season. I guess where I was trying to get was that, um, 2018 was incredible. 2023, while not as good as 2018, 2023 was damn good for Mookie Betts. And he's still really, I mean, I know there were arguments being made about let's make, let's create this Betts and Acuna MVP debate as they're gearing up to play each other this weekend. I mean, Acuna smoked him that weekend. And it really, in the end, it was just about, trying to drive clicks to to websites to to media outlets the whole Mookie and Ronald thing it was Ronald all the way he was putting up video game numbers um yeah the thing and, I'll give him is that yeah. who goes from corner outfield to second base in their 30s pretty much right like that seems like such an unprecedented position change to go from right field to second base in like your 10th season yeah so I'll, you have to give him that, and that's probably more impressive than his career home run by being set. So let's go around and let's try. Let's let's figure out. Um, okay, so we three of us had Acuna, uh, two of us had Otani. We all had Judge. So we have to figure out where else we're going to go. Let's start with Mike. Give me your, I guess, the other three, because I think you were no on Otani, you were no on Acuna, so who are the other three for you? I will give you Corbin Carroll as the first one, because I think his best-case scenario season probably gets it done. Mm-hmm. Like, if his best case, like, if we're being honest, like, what's the 99th percentile Corbin Carroll season? It's probably he hits, like, 300 with low 30s home runs, steals, like, 60 bases, uh, right. and that gets the production and the war value to get it done. National League, I'll give you the sneaky one. And uh, because Paul Goldschmidt won, it's not too crazy. Contract year Pete, if he hits like 55, mm-hmm. that's really tough to beat for sure. Like if he has that like Judgian walk year, like it's he's going to more than put himself in that conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm also refusing to back off the Jose Ramirez train yet. I might be a year late on that as my third one. Bailey just rolled his eyes. Uh, like he just feels like that guy that I'm not willing to get off the train until he actually does it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm, I'm kind of stubbornly, I'm, I might've missed the mark now. It might've been last year was the last chance, but I don't, I'm not ready to give up yet, especially if like Otani's out of that league, if either Soto or Judge goes down, uh, if anything like that happens, he has a better path than you think. But yeah, I know it's a tough sell. So we got uh, Corbin Carroll, J Ram, Alonzo, and Judge from Mike. Let's go to Bailey. Bailey, you have Acuna um, and Judge. Who else you got? Uh, I, Corey Seager. I mean, is that that's got to be like the most obvious one left on the board for me? Corey Seager just had on a rate basis the most impressive offensive season uh, a shortstop has had since integration. I mean, that is, and he didn't. I know he missed time in the middle of the season, but on a rate basis, I mean, he was he was putting up Archie Vaughn numbers out there. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, Otani being out of the American League does sort of uh, make things a little bit easier on guys like Judge. Yep. Uh, and then Seager, Seager's next because, uh, you know, what he can offer that that Judge, well, I mean, Judge is going to play some center, but like Seager to do it as like a shortstop uh, is like a really impressive thing. And I think he's honestly, if if Judge isn't the best hitter in the American League, then he's right up there with, Seager and mm-hmm. Jordan Alvarez. So I'm going to take Seager uh, just because uh, an offensive shortstop of his caliber uh, is not something that uh, we've always had in, in MLB. Yeah. Yeah. One more. Did you, did you have Otani or you, you went, you went uh, for or against Otani? I was, I shook my head on Otani. Uh, DHs don't really win it. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that was my reasoning. Sure. All right. So you got one more spot after Acuna, Judge, Seager. One more. I'm going to go with everyone's sort of like, I don't know how to put this. Like, like everyone who thinks they're like doing something or being smart is being like my dark horse MVP is this player. Um, so I think it's, but obviously like they have great momentum to do it. I'm going to say Fernando Tatis Jr. There you go. Robbie, there you are. Um, Robbie, give me your, so Robbie, we were in on Acuna. We were in on Otani. We were in on Judge. One more for, for you. Is it Tatis? Um, well, since I already kind of touched on Tatis earlier, yeah, he's on mine, but I would say, listen, we have seen a lot out of this guy, but we haven't seen a walk year out of this guy. Mm -hmm. I need to see what Juan Soto does in his walk year. And Mm -hmm. I'm listen, I'm just saying like, this is Juan freaking Soto, man. Like at the end of the day, this Mm -hmm. guy's every year is putting up some of the best advanced metrics in the game, put them in Yankee stadium. You could end up probably seeing, you know, 40, 50 homers easily. Um, the one thing with Soto is he, he needs to figure this out is getting off to a good start, right? Mm-hmm. He's always a slow starter every single time, even coming out of the all-star break. I believe last year he was a little slow. I think August was a slow month for him. He just needs to, if he stays consistent the entire year, I, I think honestly, Going into free agency, uh, he's in pinstripes. I don't know, man. I think the stars are aligning for him. Could you imagine? The, I think, honestly, that could, you know, go, now we're going to circle back to what you said, Mike, in, uh, in the beginning of the show, where Juan Soto might not be signed until opening day. Could you imagine if he wins an MVP? And, I mean, like, <laughs> could you imagine the money that yeah. it would winning an MVP meeting. would add to that? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be the worst winter meetings ever because there is no chance anybody moves. If I want to go to the winter meetings, so I can't have that. So you know, that's the the Juan Soto case is interesting because I thought about him, and then I thought about how he's had he's put up some some fantastic seasons, and he has not won MVP. But Juan Soto has not won an MVP despite. Uh, in 2021, a 999 uh, OPS. So he's, I think, and what I think actually hurts him is the walks. Like it's a great element to his game, getting on base, having a high on base percentage. But it is not like if you could convert a walk into a hit, which maybe drives in a run. Um, it, it, maybe maybe he hits one deep. There's just a um, something about Juan Soto that I don't know. Maybe this will be the year he breaks through, and that, uh, you know, that, but I, I wonder if his game is built to win an MVP. Uh, last year was actually a really good year for Juan Soto, and he finished sixth in the MVP voting with a 930 OPS, a 410 on base percentage, um, 35 home runs, which was the most he's ever hit in a season. So, anyway, Juan Soto. Uh, I think probably gets slept on by the MVP voters. Um, I'm going to have, so I've got Acuna, Otani, and Judge. My fourth is a guy that I think can remind us of what Ronald Acuna did last season when it comes to the home runs and the steals. I think we could be looking at a 40-40 guy, a 40-50 guy. Um, He's going to be playing on a not great team. So it's not like he's going to lose any votes to any teammates because he is going to be by far and away the best player on his team. He's young enough to where those those the the, the joints and the bones should be healthy to to maybe work through some injuries. 
I, I've I've talked myself into this. As foolish as it is, I think Bobby Witt Jr. actually has a chance to be an MVP in the American League. With uh, with when I look at the rest of that of the landscape, with Judge, it's health. Uh, Soto has not won an MVP. So again, is his game something where voters just don't don't vote for him uh, or don't give him the edge over others? Jordan Alvarez, health. Corey Seager, health. Mike Trout, health. Guys that are favored higher than him, if you go look at BetUS odds, you'll see all, 10 players ahead of him. But half of them have injury concerns. And Julio Rodriguez is one guy you could say, well, let's put J-Rod ahead of Witt. But I don't know. Julio Rodriguez still has some ups and downs, some hot, some cold streaks. Not that Bobby Witt won't, but if we go head-to-head between J-Rod and Bobby Witt, uh, and Bobby Witt steals 50 bases and hits, you know, 39, 40 home runs. We saw video games, video game numbers won out last year. And what I'm saying is, in a very long-winded way, I think Bobby Witt Jr. could put up some video game numbers and play good enough defense. His, his defense improved. His discipline at the plate improved. There were a lot of metrics that improved improved during the season last year that if he continues to move in that direction, I, I like Bobby Witt as somebody that could uh, jump ahead of some of these other guys. So there's my there's my there's my four: Acuna, Otani, Judge, and Bobby Witt Jr. as a as may, maybe a reach, but I'm gonna die on that hill. I'm gonna I'm gonna die on the Bobby Witt hill. So Judge, Judge is our guy. <laughs> if you ask all four of us, the one guy we got, again, if he stays healthy, is Aaron Judge. Um, Robbie, anything more you want to touch on here? Because I know that we we, we kind of went back and forth beforehand. I want to make sure we didn't um, miss out on any topics or any questions that you want to make sure we uh, we handled. Can I can I add a fifth name to the Mount sure. Rushmore? Am I allowed not? to do that? Is that possible? Yeah, we're going we're, 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 to, you know, between now and like the next 100 years, I'm sure the government's going to add a fifth face to that thing anyway. So, yeah, why not? Let's go for it. Uh, so yes, I know I said Soto in the American league, but one guy that I think could also be dangerous in the American league is Julio Rodriguez. I'm a believer in the sophomore Mm -hmm. slump. And once you're past that sophomore slump, I'm just saying a lot of his, the, the batted ball statistics with him were very good last year, but there was a lot of chase, a lot of whiff. I think if he gets that cleaned up, oh boy. Because yeah. he brings everything, right? He can bring the bat. He can bring the speed. He can bring the defense. Uh, I think you could see a special year out of Julio mm-hmm. Rodriguez. I'll leave it at that. That's the one element about Seattle. Every, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez K-rate, which was already kind of high, got even higher with Seattle. So it kind of feels like that's their mentality is just close your eyes and swing, boys. And I feel like, I, I mean... I would love to see Julio Rodriguez improve those metrics, but I yeah, wonder so. if he can yeah. with whatever philosophy they're preaching up there because everyone is just gripping and ripping and it doesn't always doesn't always work out. Um, Bailey, when can we look forward to the Foolish 50? So right now I'm in the process of doing that sort of preseason content on my mm-hmm. uh, second channel. So... Uh, you know, I just released five pitchers I like, which is not a top 50 that we're talking about. It's kind of under the radar, guys. Then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a week after that. So this week, coming weekend, we've got five hitters I like. Then we've got five players I dislike. And then Foolish 50. So Foolish 50 should drop, you know, uh, right before opening day, essentially like the, the Korea series. Uh, but yeah, you'll see it later, uh, later on in March. Uh, Mike, you have an army of content creators working with you what uh what do we have to look forward to on stark raving sports here over the next couple weeks uh we're just ramping up for for the season to start so it's just a lot of getting back into the swing of baseball being 99 percent of our content we had football as a big piece of the pie during that time to let Mm -hmm. baseball get center stage and probably go even more regularly than we do now come april and may capitalize on the start of opening day let's get everybody happy Go check out the Gunnar Henderson video if you haven't yet. Uh, make sure to check out the five pitchers Bailey likes. Uh, Robbie, you, I saw, put out a video talking about the best and worst Scott Boris deals. Uh, tell tell everybody what, the, what they need to go find uh, on Robbie Hyde. Yeah, just upload that tonight. Um, it's interesting, you know, going back and looking at the Scott Boris deals over the years. Um, you'd be surprised, like, oh, 
Oh yeah, that guy was with Scott Boris, right? I think a lot of people, at least I forgot. At least I, like I forgot Barry Zito was with Scott Boris. Yes. Oh. Yeah, there was one, right? And then, um, but there's also been some good contracts, right? Some current players like mm-hmm. Jose Altuve, that's been a pretty good contract, and starting a new one. Uh, Bregman has been a pretty decent contract overall. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how he does this coming year. You know. There have been good contracts with Scott Boris over the years. Unfortunately, there's just been a lot of bad ones. So I wanted to kind of dive into both sides a little bit. And I had, I had fun with that. So I give you yeah, a- we just need some news. We need the news. Yeah. I, I, we need Montgomery to the Red Sox. Please, Bailey, can you please you know, get that into existence? Mike, please help me. Come on. We need this. Yeah, you know, if, if you guys together each put like put out a video tomorrow, like why the Red Sox need to sign Jordan Montgomery, might be able to move the needle. We could uh, help Robbie out with that one. I, I will say this, Robbie, about uh, the, the Scott Boris thing. I, I did something similar uh, a, a few days back, and I, I applaud you for going positive. I went straight negative on mine. <laughs> um, Barry Zito it works. Barry Zito, definitely one of the 10 worst contracts from a team perspective. From Barry Zito's perspective, all good. From the Giants' perspective, uh, if memory serves me right, uh, Barry Zito, not once, or no, maybe once, did he deliver an ERA under four in his time with the Giants, whereas in Oakland, he hardly did it. I think he did it maybe one time. So he completely switched when he went from Oakland to San Francisco. Yeah, it's one of those where the the value of the contract itself, the return on investment wasn't great, but right. he helped you win a World Series. So, you know. So there you go. That's there the Patrick go. Corbin special. See, yes. Yes. They're paying this conversation 30- for getting Wei Yin Shen got a deal from Boris with the Marlins. <laughs> this is that's that's a, a you know, Mark, again, Mark uh, legend right there. Oh, uh, uh, yes, a Boris legend is a good way to put it. Okay. Um <laughs> That is going to do it for this one, everybody. I really do appreciate uh, Mike and Bailey spending some time with Robbie and I to really kind of get us geared up for the 2024 season. I hope that it did the same for you, those watching live on YouTube. Thank you for coming in. Make sure to hit that like on the way out and subscribe if you have not yet. Find the Barreled Up podcast wherever you get your podcasts for great conversations like this. You caught this part live. There are going to be times where you check in and you missed it because, again, for the last hour and seven minutes, about 40 of that is going to be, for the replay viewers, something they missed. They got to check the podcast out. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Turn those automatic downloads on. Again, thank you to Bailey. Thank you to Mike. Robbie, thank you for being along. Thank you all for listening, lending us your ears, spending time with us on YouTube. Barreled Up Podcast over and out. Thank you guys for coming in, and we'll catch you next time. 